0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Please open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to continue to roll through our summer series in the Proverbs. And so if you don't have a Bible, just want to highlight in the back, we have blue and white Bibles as you walk in. You can feel free to grab those. That's our gift to you. If you don't own one, take it, keep the Bible, and uh, make good use of it, because we're going to go through that every single week here. So, all right. Hey, as we turn to Proverbs 5, I just want to warn you guys real quick, there is something in the water at East Point Church. I don't know what's happening, but there is something in the water everywhere we look. This is not my announcement. Easy now, okay? Okay. Uh, Everybody's eyes went, no! Yeah, including me, no! No. Uh, There's something in the water. Everybody's having babies. You notice that? Pastor Daniel just had his first child. I mean, I feel like every week I'm hearing about new babies being born, new babies being conceived, new babies being announced. And how many of you love a good birth announcement or a pregnancy announcement, whatever they call it these days, right? You love a good pregnancy? Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. How many of you are into the gender reveal stuff? Anybody? Like hitting the cakes or cutting the cakes, blowing up the balloon, whatever it is. Birth anna- or pregnancy annou- announcements are exciting. But you know what's more exciting than a pregnancy announcement? I'm just gonna be real. A pregnancy announcement with multiple kids in your family. I'm just keeping it real here, friends. Listen, the first time we had a kid, we told the world we're having a baby. But by the time we had our third kid, we were telling our kids. We're having a baby, and those conversations are wild. (laughs) We have friends who recently told their kids that they were pregnant, and their oldest, without missing a beat, the first question out of his mind was, how did this happen? How did the baby get in there? Oh my goodness, here we go, right? Many jokes have been told about the timeless rite of passage, this coming-of-age conversation where the older generation has to pass down the very important information to the next generation. Where do babies come from? The miracle of life, the birds and the bees, or as we more commonly refer to it, the talk. The talk. My son is eight years old, and I have a billion books on how to have the talk, and I'm just like, you know, we'll get there eventually. I just gotta read more books. One more book, that's all I need. One more book. The talk. Friends, this morning we are going to tune in to Proverbs chapter five. And a father is having the talk with his son. And as we look at the talk, we're gonna realize that this talk it's actually a little bit different than the way it's typically given. This talk, the father, he's not focusing on the health class how-to's. He's focusing on something more weighty, more important. This father is teaching his son how to handle his sexuality in a way that pleases God while living in a world that seeks to slip him up. This father sits down his son and this morning the Lord sits us down as his sons and daughters and he wants to teach us how to live out our sexuality in a way that avoids the pain but pursues the pleasure to the glory of God. Are you ready for the talk this morning? Proverbs chapter 5, ready or not? Here we go. Let me read the first few verses. We'll pause, we'll break it down, and we're just going to proceed to the text like that. Are you guys ready? Why are you looking at me all funny? You guys read Proverbs 5 or something before you got here? All right, you guys are wide awake. Here we go, Proverbs chapter 5. This is God's word for East Point Church. Let me just say one more thing. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This text is going to train us for righteousness this morning. Are you ready? Let's live righteously. Here we go. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not No, but we're going to pause right there. My son, first things first in the talk, the forbidden person promises pleasure, but ends in pain. The forbidden person promises pleasure, but ends in pain. We start off, you guys know this already, there's this this typical call to attention. Whenever we see be attentive, incline your ear toward me listen up this will make you wise whenever we see this call to attention he's about to drop a wisdom bomb all right and what is the wisdom bomb today he says my son there's a character out there in the world that you need to know about and this character is the forbidden woman all right, this is a father talking to his son, so he's talking about women. But ladies, there is a person out there called the forbidden man. To all peoples, all genders, this applies to us. There is a person out there who is off limits, who is out of bounds. Why? Because you have already vowed your life, love, and faithfulness to another. Okay, In this situation, this woman is doubly forbidden because she has also... Vowed her life, love, and faithfulness to another. We'll find out in the next chapter, but from her own lips, that she's already married. And yet here's what you need to know, friends. Here's what makes the forbidden person so dangerous. Even though they are off limits, they will actively try to entice you anyway. There's a person out there who will put on the seductive charm, who will try to provoke desire in you, who are trying to get you to ignore the do not enter signs. And in those moments, be ready because her lips drip honey, meaning her words are as sweet as honey when she speaks. She flatters. When you talk to her, be ready. Her or her speech, excuse me, her speech is smoother than oil. Conversation is is playful. It's it's delightful. There's an appeal as she woos you. There's There's an attraction as he talks to you. She or he will entice you with promises of pleasure. And here's what wisdom says to you this morning. Don't be surprised. Don't be naive. Be prepared. Don't be surprised. Really? People are like, don't be surprised. Don't be naive. Be prepared. And here's how you prepare. Realize now before that moment that the promise of pleasure is a lie. Realize it now. Realize now before that moment that though it looks like potential pleasure, the cost of infidelity is guaranteed pain. The appeal is deceptive, friends, because in the end, it won't satisfy you. In the end, it will wreck you. I know it seems sweet like honey, but it's actually as bitter as wormwood. If you were to taste this, the aftertaste will destroy you. It will make you fatally sick. I know her words seem smooth. I know his conversation just seems smooth like oil. But friend, I'm telling you, they will cut you as sharply as a two-edged sword. Be warned. It's not what it seems. Be warned. It's quite the opposite. You see, what we have in common in this room is that we are looking for the path of life. We are looking for the blessed way that when we walk in it, it will, lead, it will result in God's nearness and his rewards. We want to live the life that works well. But here's what you need to know about the forbidden person. They don't know that way. They don't ponder the path of life. They've never visited that path. They do not know it, but that will not stop them for taking you for a walk. And so he says, my son, she's going to grab you arm in arm. Whispering sweet nothings into your ear and you don't know where she's taking you but you think you have an idea and so she's taking you for a walk. He's taking you for a walk and before you realize it, the path turns into a cemetery and you stroll through and you see a freshly dug grave and your name is on the tombstone and she looks at you and he says to you, Welcome to my place. See, her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. We'll see in chapter seven next summer that to follow her is like being a sheep being led to the slaughter. The forbidden person promises pleasure but ends in pain. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to wisdom. You see, guys, we live in a world where nothing is forbidden. We live in a world where nothing is off limits. We live in a world that creates apps on our phone to help us conduct illicit affairs discreetly. Hello? We live in a world that no, where nothing is off limits. Welcome to the world. Don't be surprised. Don't be naive. Be Prepared, understand that to go after another in the pursuit of pleasure only promises pain. Infidelity will wreck you. And so, wisdom invites you, ladies and gentlemen, to live life with an in the end mentality. Wisdom invites you to fast forward, to play the movie, jump to the end credits, look at the consequences. Because reflecting on the future pain can steal us against temptation. It can keep us sober. It can cut through the deceptive fog of perceived pleasure, and we go, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa! They're promising pleasure, but it only will end in sorrow, pain, and death. Don't go don't go for that walk. And so I don't know about you but if I were a young man and my dad was having this talk with me I'd be on the edge of my seat going okay dad okay okay she sounds dangerous so so what should I do like do you have any strategies to help me like how should I talk to her do I, are there any tactics that you can give me so that I can you know go against her and the dad says no 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 you're not strong enough what my son you she's too good You cannot win. You are not strong enough. She will win every time. And I imagine the son going, so then I'm hopeless. If if I can't stand up to her temptation, then I can't win. He goes, no, no, no. There's one thing you can do, and only one. Run. (laughs) And now, oh sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed And you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The second thing this father says to his son in the talk is that a failure to run will result in ruin. A failure to run will result in In ruin. He says the only winning strategy is to keep your way far from her. You see, guys, wisdom knows what you and I choose to ignore sometimes. None of us are above temptation, none of us are immune to the allure of the forbidden. And so, what does he tell us? Don't even go near the door of his house. Don't even go near the door of opportunity. Do not approach. Do not engage. Do not get within earshot of her honey-laced words. Don't even get into the orbit of his seductive charm. Don't think that you're unable to succumb to the deceptive promise of pleasure. We cannot, East Point Church, hear me, friends. I love you. You know that, right? I speak truth to you. We cannot overestimate our own strength. We cannot overestimate our willpower. We must not be naive to the strength of temptation's appeal. The only winning strategy is to keep far away and run. That is not wimpy weakness. That is winning wisdom. I should be strong enough. You know, I'm a man, I have self-control, right? And in a day of shaming and canceling and all these other things, you know, the world says, well, if that's your issue, then you shouldn't impose that on others. You should be strong I go, I'm not strong enough. I'm just being real, like wisdom is. Running away, staying away, as soon as you even hear the seductive charm, as soon as you hear the honey-laced words, out of there, it's not wimpy weakness. You shouldn't be stronger. No, you should be realer. It's a winning strategy, winning strategy. You see, when you hear about other people's mistakes, I have friends, right? And I'm sure you guys do. We are touched by infidelity all around us, right? And when you hear of other people's mistakes, when you hear of a pastor who has fallen, when you hear of a neighbor who's getting split up over this, you can have two responses. You could go, how could they? Or you can go, that could be me. How could I can't imagine? Who could ever make such a or you can do it wisdom and saying go, man, if I'm not careful, that could be me. But by the grace of God, that's gonna be my story. Do you find it hard to imagine that you could ever succumb to the enticement of a forbidden person? Do you, do you think, man, I, I'm, I'm sure I can stand on her doorstep and not go in. I'm sure I can just stand on the porch and not go into the house. I'm sure I can walk down the street and not do anything. You know what wisdom says? Wisdom says, better to not have to find out the hard way. Run. And if you don't, you will learn that the consequences are devastating. And we get here this, it's kind of like a parable, we get this like interesting picture of of almost like a hypothetical person. Here's what would come if you don't listen to me. And the picture, there's this man of honor. There's this man who is well to do. He has position, he has power, and he has prosperity. This man's an important person in his community, looked up to and respected, a man of means. And yet, Because he didn't listen to the voice of wisdom, because he didn't keep far away, because he thought that he can visit her door and just stay on the porch, he fell for the promise of pleasure that only results in pain. And this guy lost everything. It says that his honor was stripped from him. His reputation was destroyed. This man of means was thrust into debt. And we get the picture that he's now an indentured servant forced to give years of his strength and labors to merciless taskmasters. He's working his finger to the bone in this grueling, backbreaking labor, and in the end, he still has nothing to show for it. This man is ruined socially, financially, physically, emotionally, relationally. He has learned the hard way that the cost of infidelity is everything. He's learned the hard way. And as he looks back on his life, you you hear him. He's filled with shame and frustration and regret, not because of his mistake. Here's what's interesting. He's filled with this regret, not simply because of his decision, but because his decision was completely avoidable. That's the painful part. He looks back on all the conversations he ignored. He looks back on all the text messages that he declined. He looked back on the phone calls that he sent to voicemail, and he says, I hated discipline. I did not listen to the voice of wisdom. I ignored the voice that said, keep far away. I was warned, and I ignored it. And now, thus, I'm on the brink of utter ruin." A failure to run will result in ruin. How many more of us have to go down before we just accept the fact we need to run? How many more followers of Jesus do we need to be in relationship with and see? Choose the ways of the world. I was just at a wedding last night in Philly. Good friend from high school. My wife and I went up there. Nice date. You know, kid free at a wedding and That's the best, right? The wedding was over. We were still there for four hours, just praying, you know, just (laughs) celebrating their love in honor of them, you know, but, you know, every time we go to a wedding, it's just such an opportunity to touch base on our vows, you know, and I remember at one point the minister said, you know, you commit to loving them through the good times and the bad times, and I said to my wife, I said, we've had more good times than bad times, right? I think so, and she goes, definitely. I said, that's a win. That's the one. I talked to you guys. There's some of you in here married for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And I know it's hard, right? You talk to anybody who's been married for that long, and they will tell you there are good times and bad times. But the key, friends, one of the keys, no matter the ups and downs, the the infidelity that this world just pushes you towards, the the push to just get an upgrade. Well, you didn't even know who each other were, so you're like different people, so it didn't even get, just, just do you. It's Infidelity will wreck you and rob you of the joys that God has designed. So this is the talk. Wisdom is here. The son is having the talk with his dad. And wisdom says, run far from her house. And So here's the last question. He says, run far from her house. And so the question is, so where should we run? Run far away from the forbidden man. Run far away from the forbidden person. And so where should we run to? And here's my favorite part of the passage. You guys ready for our final movement? Here's the best part. Wisdom, the Lord, God is calling you away from the deceptive pleasures that don't satisfy at all to a place where you can drink deeply of God's gift, a place where you can drink deeply of the greatest, most satisfying pleasure that you could ever experience because it was designed by him. He says, run away from that and run toward this. Are you guys ready to see this? Do you want to see the place that God calls you to run? Last few verses. Check it out. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Final point that we have here this morning. The father looks to his son. He's having this talk in earnest. He's told him to run. He's warned him of what sits out there. And then he looks at me and he says, drink deeply from your own well." Drink deeply from your own well. You see, the grass seems greener on the other side. Your neighbor's well seems much more refreshing than yours. But wisdom says, no, no, no. Drink water from your own cistern, brothers and sisters. Enjoy your own well. A lot of metaphorical language here. I trust that all of the mature people in the room are going to have a good grasp of figurative language, okay? Okay? The spirit of the age wants you to think that to experience pleasure that you have to hop the fence of God's design and find it out there. But wisdom makes it clear. God is not anti-sex. He is the author. Sexual delight and pleasure are gifts from God to be enjoyed in marriage with your wife. This is what he's saying to his son. This is the talk. He's like, my son, listen, what is found out there on your apps, that is cheap and a shallow imitation of the real thing that God designed in here. Lifelong, exclusive, and passionate love. There is a deep satisfaction and pleasure in God's design. Do you want to know God's will for your life? How many of you want to know God's will for your life? You'd be like, hey, if God showed up right now and said, Hey, God, what do I do? Here's what God's will for your life is. Rejoice in your spouse. Obey the word of the Lord this morning. Rejoice in your spouse. That's his will. You know what his will for you is? To experience delight in your marriage. You want to know God's will for your life? It's crazy. I was just reading. His will is for you to be intoxicated with love and delight. This is the Bible, friends. This is amazing, right? If you were to look at the science, science shows, you know, you know how many, cr- the, the crazy number of hormones that are released in your brain during the act of intimacy? You know what that shows me about God's design? That he's literally trying to addict you to your spouse. There is great pleasure and delight to be had in your marriage and his will is for you to rejoice and delight. He says, son, drink deeply from your well. Here's a verse that you can highlight. God pronounces a blessing on married couples' sex lives. What does he say? Let your fountain be blessed. In other words, may the well of your love and delight never run dry at all times, at all times, may you enjoy each other. This is God's will for you, married people. This is God's will for you. The Bible says, uh, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The way that you eat, the way that you drink, whatever you do, including when you do the Proverbs 5, he says drink deeply and passionately from the well of delight in your marriage because that glorifies God. You glorify God when you partake in and enjoy the gift that He has given you. Do you see what wisdom is doing here? Wisdom is helping us avoid the path of ruin, the path of infidelity, not just by avoiding the consequences, but by wooing us toward the pleasure. Do you see what He's doing? He's not just trying to keep his son straight by saying, warning, warning, warning. He's saying, woo, woo, woo. Look what is out here. Let me remind you of the great delight that is to be had in here. Hear me. The greatest, most satisfying, most emotionally fulfilling experience of your sexuality is in the context of God's design. Let me say it one more time. The greatest, most satisfying, emotionally fulfilling expression of your sexuality is found in God's design, not apart from it. In other words, in an exclusive, lifelong commitment between you and your spouse. God, is, God has not just created the gift of sex, He's created the context in which it's to be most enjoyed. Look what it says. This satisfaction will come as you drink from your own cistern, from your own well. Enjoy your wife. An exclusive lifelong commitment between you and your spouse. God's design for sex is an exclusive marriage commitment. And I get it. I know what that sounds like, right? Some some of you guys just turn to me off and are like, oh, okay, we're going draconian. Okay. We're going traditional. Sam, that's not how it works today. If you're my age, I get it. Trust I mean, I get it. I know. I was at a wedding last night and my buddies from high I I get it. I get it, friends. I really do. I know how tone-deaf this seems. I know how counterculture this is. I know that in a day where Will Smith and Jada Pickett have popularized open marriages, multiple partners, poly this, poly that, I know in a day where we literally have TV shows called Swapping Wives and Trading Spouses, I know what this sounds like in a day where commercials make fun of and ingest, point to swinging relationships and hanging pineapples. I get it. But I'm just here to tell you, that's not the design. The waters of your love and delight aren't to be scattered in the streets with others, right? Not to be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets for everyone to enjoy. Your love and delight, it's not for your neighbors, it's not for strangers, this is an exclusive gift. And he says, let it be for yourself alone, The love and the pleasure that you share with one another, it's not a public watering hole. It is a private fountain for a party of two. Exclusive, me, you, and no one else. He says, let it be for your wife alone. He doesn't say, be intoxicated by love. He says, be intoxicated in her love. He wants you to be intoxicated with delight, but with him, your spouse. Don't let it go into the streets. Let it be for yourself alone. And here's the best part. I mean, God is so for this. Like, you hear me? God is so for this that he wants you to enjoy this gift for a long time. A long time time he says to his son he goes i want you to enjoy the wife of your youth long after you stop being a youth and all of our senior saints said amen he said long after you cease to be a youth as you age as you trade youth for experience he says stick to your choice Stay faithful to your spouse. When you're older and your hair is gray, if you have any left, and you see the rest of the world putting out these new, younger models of wells, he says, don't look to upgrade to a younger well. Instead, look to your spouse and say, baby, they don't make it like they used to. <laughs> That's right the wife of your youth. You have the best model and make that was ever made for you because you have history, don't you? There's a depth. There is a knowledge. There is a layer of intimacy to your love that if you were to ask them, they will tell you. And friends, tell me if I'm right. There is a layer of intimacy to your love that you didn't even know was possible when you were newlyweds, right? He says, enjoy the wife of your youth. And when she feels like she's not young, and when he feels insecure, you look at her and you say, baby, you are still my lovely dear. You are still prancing like that graceful doe. Spitting bars in the Bible. Our next series from the Bible, bars from the Bible, right? It's like, man, you should be taking notes right now, man. This is good You are my graceful dear. You are my lovely doe. You have chosen your love, church. Now love your choice. You have chosen your love. Now love your choice. He says, my son, why should you be intoxicated with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Why do you need to go over there to be intoxicated when you have everything and more that you need right here? You have everything you need to satisfy you for a lifetime in your marriage. Drink deeply from your own well. And so we have the single people in the room that are like, well, this got awkward. (laughs) Uh, Right? Like, I think I shouldn't have come to church today. No, no, let me talk to you single people. Listen, 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 listen. I think this is probably just as powerful for my single friends as it is my married friends. Because in this text, single people are reminded of God's design. I think single people need to hear and be affirmed in this. Let me say it. Sex is not dirty, right? Sexu- you are a sexual being. You were created emotionally, physically, relationally, socially, and sexually. That is a part of who you are. It's not something to be shamed. It's not a part of your life that it's like God just kind of like reluctantly allows it to... Propagate the species. No, this is not duty. It is delight. That is healthy. One of the first questions we ask when I do premarital counseling, we do their intake assessment and we ask them to rate what is your sexual desire. And if it's anything less than 10, we go, let's talk about that. This is healthy. You are sexual beings. But listen to me, friends, single people. Not only has God created your sexuality, He has created the context. For the most satisfying sexual expression that you can experience in the context of an exclusive faithful lifelong monogamous marriage you will experience the best of god's gift hands down and so i know what this sounds like but i'm telling you anyway it's worth the wait it's worth the wait absolutely is and here's my other follow-up to that don't wait too long get married let's go Drink deeply from your own well. And so, in conclusion, do you see that God has a lot to say about your sexuality? God has designed you as a sexual being. He's designed the gift, He's designed the context. He is not silent on the matter. Friends, this matters to Him. As much as you're reading your Bible and you're going to work and your prayer life matters, this matters to him. It says here that the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He's looking at how we handle our love lives. He ponders our path to see if we're following his design. And so seek to please Jesus in every aspect of your life, even your sexuality. Honor him with it. Jesus is Lord, even over our love lives. And so we have it so backwards sometimes, don't we? Growing up, you know, my friends, they, they would, I mean, I think most of the world believes my friends would articulate it, where the, the picture is, out there is the fun and the freedom, and in here, we're shackled, right, with chastity belts and purity rings, right? Out there is fun. Out there is real life. And in here, it's boring, but at least we get to go to heaven. (laughs) Praise God from whom? That's what the world thinks, right? But they have it backwards because you know who's really captured The people out there, they are ensnared. They are held fast in the cords of sin. They are slaves to their sin and they will experience the consequences of their lack of discipline. But, friends, in here, freedom and delight are found. Freedom and delight are in God's design. Freedom and delight are in God's design. You wanna be free? You wanna experience pleasure? the way it's designed to, the most satisfying, emotionally fulfilling way? You want to experience intimacy without the ache and the loneliness of those one-night stands? You, You want to experience what it's like to be known and unconditionally accepted, regardless of your performance? Freedom and delight are found in God's design. So let's get it on. And so we read a text like this, and again, 2023, how many of us can go, yep, I'm perfect, all right? He who has no sexual sin may throw the first stone. We live in a world where we all fall short. We read a passage like this, and we laugh, right? And we're like, yeah, ha but like, but like there is that thing that we're all thinking about right now, right? There's that pain, there's that situation, there's that sin, there's that iniquity, and, and we fall short, And the Bible tells us as much, right? The Bible says, don't take yourself too seriously. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Except for one dude. There was one man. There was one son whose ears were perfectly attentive to the father. There was one son who always inclined his ear to the voice of wisdom. That son never slipped up sexually. That son ran from the forbidden woman. That son never went near the door of temptation's house. One human being on the planet who never slipped up sexually and his name was Jesus Christ. And here's what's crazy. He gets to the end of his life with this perfect record, clean, spotless, without blemish, And in a remarkable act of self-sacrifice, he lays down his life. Even though he didn't deserve it, he lays down his life and he offers to give you his perfect record while dying with your sinful record in his place. Every sexual sin, every act of infidelity, every marital misconduct was nailed to the cross in the person of Jesus as he laid down his life. And in exchange, he said, you take my record. You become the spotless, blameless, and above reproach son of God, daughter of God. And now we stand before God with this gifted righteousness, right? Like we, we have this record that it's like sexually sinless. And like, you did that? Like, not me, but Christ. And now because we're in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. Our past are erased. Our records are forgiven. And I want to end with this as the band comes up. I want to end with this. There was a woman John chapter 8, who was caught in sexual sin. Her honor was stripped from her. Her reputation was destroyed. The entire community dragged her before Jesus. And they said, look what she did, this woman. Talk about forbidden woman. Look what she did, Jesus. What do you say? And he says, he who, can, who is without sin. Why not you throw the first stone? Look what he says here, John 8. Jesus, and they all walked away. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Where are all the people who thought they were better than you? Are are there no sinless, sexually moral people to condemn you? No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Hey, friends, Jesus doesn't condemn you for your past. He forgives you. He doesn't hold your sin against you. He redeems you. He has made you spotless. He has forgiven every sin from right now in this moment. As you ask for forgiveness right now in this moment, as you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he says, you're forgiven. From now on, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. There's grace. But go and sin no more. That's the truth. I still love you, but sin will still wreck you. You See how Jesus perfectly blends grace and truth? I don't condemn you, but go and follow the design. Go and sin no more. Go and drink deeply from your own well, for that's where delight is found. So I'm gonna invite you guys to stand. Let's respond. Can we do this? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe what I just said, and maybe, maybe like 30 minutes ago you didn't believe, but now you're like, wait a minute. I want to be a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to partake with us. This is a family meal. If you need the elements of communion, would you just raise your hand? And we have people down here who will pass you right here up front, Miss Ann, right on the front row, Miss Laura Lee. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to hold these emblems. And we're going to realize that because of this, we are made clean. And as we partake together, I'm going to pray. And then as we partake together, I want us to hear the words in our head. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Lord, we come before you so grateful for your forgiveness, so grateful for your grace. Forgive us, Lord. We confess our sins. We are not spotless. We are not perfect. And yet we are loved. So thank you for your mercy. Transform us. Not just to have the gifted record of Jesus, but to have the actual righteousness of Jesus lived out every day. We love you, Father. We give you our whole lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.